This program contains techniques and exercises that can cause physical injury. Individuals involved in the production and those demonstrating their skills assume no responsibility for any injury or damage resulting from the execution of techniques and exercises presented herein. Because I'm the best in the world, even though a lot of you don't like to hear it. I just, it's fact, I'm the best, you know what I mean? I sometimes, I don't want to believe in myself, but it's the truth. I'm the best. Enough with the formality. I think we all know what time is. It's time for the IC Robot Show with your host, the champ, IC Robot. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. Not not really right now. It is your host, the champ, IC Robots, and I'm still I'm still not a hero, but I still sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less week. And this week, this week, I think it's going to get a lot less week. We're going to talk about a ton of fun stuff. It's great. We're going to start off start off with a new jam that Iceberg sent me on the low, which is dope. We're gonna we're gonna talk about my woes with Pooptronics. Going to talk about going to talk about Star Wars. All right, hold it. No, hit it. Your iceberg, drop it. If you're good at something, why hide it? <laughs> with every setback, with every new scar on my body, I continue to move forward. Boy, if you get trailed to the top of the hill until I am the last man standing. I'm a wildfire burner across the countryside. I am napalm death. I will get you eventually. Most people will sit and wait and look over their shoulder and say their prayers. And I hope the inevitable never comes, but I wonder if there's anybody else out there that wants to get me before I get them reckless. The kind of person they'll say has a death wish. This is a call to arms. For anybody who wants to step up and be a hero, be a hero or get seriously, seriously hurt. You are listening to the IC Robot Show. You can stare at the streets, but the streets stare back at you. You try and talk greasy, someone's like a smack at you. That's, uh, that's of course a great line from a dude, Cool AD from Das Races. That was, that was a new bit sent to us by Iceberg. It was a bit dire. It was a bit dark, but let me tell you, your boy's in a dark mood lately. Things are not working out for the best. I've been staring at the streets, and the streets are staring right back at my face. Things aren't going good. I... I have been having some woes with Pooptronics Media, and I, I, as you know, have been put on a, uh, a suspension, an unpaid suspension for job abandonment. They're trying to say the period in which I was off walking the earth, which which was necessary for my mental well-being, wasn't something that they approve of. They're trying to they're trying to take your boy's money, but your boy. Your boy ISR is in the uh, local vent cleaner 707. We got we got a union up there, and unions have contracts. If any of you guys have ever been in the situation where you work in a union shop, you know you know the amount of paperwork, you know the amount of rules, you know all that. And there are rules as far as putting people on unpaid suspensions. the The deal is this: to 
to go and put somebody in a position to where they're not making any money, to where they can't feed their family, to where they can't take care of their lives, you at least, you at least gotta have a hearing with the, the aforementioned employee, which is me, and a union rep, which was, uh, my dude up there, and I, I was never given this, I was never not never given this, and I've been, I've been talking to the homie Tommy Salami, and we know this guy's got some, uh, this guy's got some connections in the in the world of labor unions. You might remember Tommy Salami was my homeboy when I was inside Johnny Jail. He he got my back. He saved my neck a few times. I I owe him my life. We're homeboys for from now till till forever. And he he's been talking to some of the dudes that he knows in the vent cleaners seven oh seven, and they're saying they're not going to stand for this. They're saying that this is something that shan't be done. I. I forgot, I have not mentioned, I, I'm in the park, I'm in the park right now, I'm in the park over by my house, because I was, I was out taking a walk when your boy's, your boy's off work, your boy's got nothing to do, he's a bum, he's a, he's a vagrant, so I was over, I was over at the park doing what, doing what vagrants do, which is nada, nada mucho, I was sitting there and I, I got an email on my, on my Pooptronics branded phone, which is also, which is also something they're trying to take from your dude, but your dude's not going to stand for that. You know, I'm not going to, no diggity, no doubt. I'm not going out like a spineless jellyfish. I, let me read a little bit of this uh, email. Let me, let me, oh, hold on a sec. The uh, P-mail, that's what we get, Pooptronics mail. It's so, it's so slow to load. It's, it's the worst. I can say that, I can say that now. Let me, oh, there's an update. I have to update. It says to the uh, the latest Pindos. That's the that's the Pooptronics version of Windows. I I don't want to do that right now. Hold on. Have you ever noticed when you're trying to show somebody something on your device, it always it always goes wrong. I I give up. I'll let me let me at least start that download of Pindos. Um, twenty nine hours. It's gonna take twenty nine hours. Well, I might as well get started. Started right now to to paraphrase the uh, the p mail that I got from that I got from the supervisor over there at uh, at Pooptronics. It said more or less that I I've been denied my right to have a hearing. I requested an official hearing with the with the people up there. They're saying no, but I I got Tommy Salami on my side, and he says yes. He says yes, we're gonna get this hearing. Yes, it's gonna happen. So I don't I don't know how long I'm gonna have to wait for that. These things sometimes take a while, but until then, I I got zero monies coming in right now. It's it's harsh. Don't worry, your boy. Your boy's got some. Uh, he's got some savings. You know, I I got the money in the bank for just a situation like this. Let me tell you, there is a there's a rule out there of economics, and let me let me tell you this. It's not how much you make. It's how much you save, and by that I mean. It's how much you can put away with each paycheck, because you never know what's going to happen. And I've been able to put away a pretty, pretty fair amount, so I should, I should be good for the time being. Plus, your boy lives a frugal life. I'm not, um, I'm not a big spender like uh, a lot of people I know out there. Some of these, you know, some of these guys living out in these, these places like Napa. Some of these places like wineries and vineyards and places like that. They're, they're big spenders, stacking fat chips, doing all that stuff. But your boy, he lives a modest life. I. I don't have a I don't have a lot of expenses outside of Migos, outside of JoJo's, outside of comic books, outside of outside of rap tapes, outside of vinyl records, outside of Masters of the Universe figures, which I've started to get back into, outside of movies, outside of uh, 
VHS rentals over at Joe Video, outside of uh, wrestling pay-per-views, outside of boxing pay-per-views, outside of DC Universe streaming service, outside of Netflix and all this stuff. I don't have a lot of extracurricular spending activities. I I try to keep it on the frug, but you you might want to uh, you might want to consider joining up over at Patreon right now. No time like the present, your boy. Your boy is going to start burning through this this available money pretty quick, so you might want to consider hopping over to supportthereport.com. Give your boy a little helping hand when he's in need. Plus, there's a ton of fun shows. It's really great. I'm working on a brand new POS right now as we speak. Well, not right now. Right now, I'm working on the uh, IC Robots show, but I will. I will be working on a POS. What I mean to say is, there's a POS in progress. That'll be coming sometime. Sometime soon. And those are all great. Supportthereport.com. That's the Patreon. You can join it for as little as a dollar a month. You can save your boy's life. Your boy's going to be out in the street soon. But don't worry. I'm going to get this handled, man. Tommy Salami knows some dudes over at the Vent Cleaners. And they they know how to handle uh, guys like this. Like this Pooptronic Supervisor. Efeet guys like this Pooptronic Supervisor. Uh, I... I don't got a lot else to say about this. Let's uh, move to At The Movies. In a moment, At The Movies without Ebert, Cisco, or even that dude Roper, but you've got Icy Robots, so that's something right. Come on! On December 20th, it is time... That she a story. <laughs> Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, rated PG-13. All right, I have I've seen Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. It's always exciting to see a new Star Wars film. It's it's like a magical moment when they first hit that crawl. When you're in your seat and you're ready to go, and they hit that crawl, and they hit that music. And it's go time. It's always it's always magical whether the movie is great, whether the movie's good, or whether the movie's only okay, which is which is kind of what I felt in in, in in this instance. I I try not to take Star Wars personally. I know a lot of people out there really, really, really care about Star Wars. I care about Star Wars too. I like it. I mean I bought tickets. I brought the wife, I bought the kid, I brought the gal pal of the kid, I brought everybody, I bought the tickets, I bought the popcorn, I bought everything. I care. I was there. I was there opening weekend. It's important to me. It's not as important to me as it is to some people, but I, 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 I do put importance in it. And I was, I was sadly a bit, um, a bit disappointed in this movie. But I, I feel like going in, they had a lot of things working against them. I, I'm gonna go, go spoiler free for this, as I always, as I always do. So don't worry if you haven't seen it yet. But I kind of, I kind of think everybody's seen it by now. But um. As we know, the first movie was directed by J.J. Abrams. The second movie in the trilogy was directed by Ryan Johnson. And then for the third one, they brought back J.J. Abrams to try to try to bring back the uh, bring the ship right the course after after many people felt like um, the the second film was. Well, a lot of people really think it's like an abomination. I myself, I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was all right, but um, a lot of people hated it, and they they wanted to go back to the original track. And a lot of this movie is spent trying to trying to write the chorus, trying to put things back the way that J.J. Abrams had them in 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 the first place. So the movie the movie really cooks at like a lightning pace. Like one second they're here, next second they're here. 
next second they're here. And it's just go, 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 which is okay. It's fine. But um, there's, there's not a lot of room to explain things. There's not a lot of room to marinate on what you've seen. And it just goes and goes and goes and goes. While I was watching it, I had a good time. I had a nice time. When it was over, I said, well, that was fun. That was okay. But then I spent time, like, thinking about it and, like, reading reviews and reading things about it. And the more I started to think about it, the more I was like, well, I did feel it was, you know, an entertaining film. It wasn't, like, a magical film. Like, I think The uh, Force Awakens is, like, a terrific film. I think the introduction of Rey, who is maybe my favorite Star Wars character this side, this side of Chewbacca. I thought that that was great. I think that she's a character for all time. I think that Finn and Poe and all these other people they introduced, I think they did a really great job with The Force Awakens. I, I, I have moments in that movie where, where I shed a tear almost every time. And I, I, I didn't have that carried into the, um, second movie. The Last Jedi. And in this one, I I did kind of expect that the magic would be back with J.J. Abrams being back. And sadly, sadly it wasn't. What this was was more like a sprint to try to get to the end of the saga. Like they wanted to end it all. They knew they had to end it all here. And they had a million billion things they had to do to um to get there. I, I think in retrospect, everybody realizes they probably should have just had J.J. Abrams handle the whole thing and having having like two two completely separate ideas of what it should be between Ryan Johnson and JJ Abrams was maybe not maybe not a bad maybe not a good idea rather I I don't know I didn't hate this movie but I also I also didn't I didn't love it I I've seen a lot a lot of vitriol online toward this and I didn't I didn't feel that I didn't feel like it was an abomination or it was an affront to anything it was just it was just not really like like a great movie. I I expected more. I wanted more. I wanted to um I wanted to cry. I wanted to go see this movie and I just wanted to like leave in tears and I I, I think there were moments where they're trying to do that to you, but they don't they don't really connect because because they move so fast. Let me let me quickly try to like glance over the plot a little bit. I I don't want to give anything away, but basically what happens is um Emperor Palpatine is back somehow. It's never it's never really explained how that is, but he's back and he has some like all new, all powerful empire that he wants that he wants like Kylo Ren to take over or something and the the bad guys are they're more powerful than ever. That's the thing with every 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 new Star Wars that comes out. The enemy is now more powerful than ever. They're like they're like very similar. You know, they have a bigger Death Star. They have a more dangerous Death Star. They have a bigger fleet. A more dangerous fleet, but it's always, it's always basically like, like, like the same thing. And in this, it is basically like the same thing. It's the rebels fighting from underneath, trying to come back, trying to defeat Palpatine. All the while, you know, Rey, who's the Jedi in this, is like, she's struggling with her powers and she's struggling with being a Jedi. It's, it's all really Star Wars by the book, which is okay, man. When you, when you go see a Star Wars, you kind of do sort of expect the, like, comfortable familiarity of a, of a, of a Star Wars movie. And they, they try to give you that, but they, once again, it's the pace. The pace just goes so quickly that there's no time for any, any sort of comfort in, in, in the first one, in, in The Force Awakens. There's, there's all these moments where the characters are sitting. They're, like, sitting and they're talking and they're just, like, ruminating on what's going on. And these moments give you time as a viewer 
to take in what you've seen. They give you time to learn about Rey and to enjoy Rey and to learn about Poe and to learn about Finn and to familiarize yourself with these characters. And then in this one, it's just it's just cooking so hard that you don't really have any any time to like just just sit down and just ah just take it all in. And I I understand they're they're sort of like trying to make up for the lost time. The the last Jedi seems like as far as like this movie goes, it seems like wasted time. Like all they want to do is take that away. And in doing so, what they actually have to do is like try to make up all the things they wanted to say in that movie in this movie. And in doing so, they just sort of they go from this to this to this. I know I keep saying it. It's just like from this to this to this to this very, very, very quickly. And then all of a sudden it's it's over. I I didn't hate this. By any means. I don't think that I'm going to rush out and get it on Blu-ray when it comes out. But if I'm at Joe Video and I see a used copy of this for like $8.99, I might grab it. I'll probably I'll probably watch it again when it's on um, Disney Plus or whatever. But uh, overall, it's, to me, the weakest of the films in the new, uh, new sequel trilogy. I think Force Awakens is the best. I think Last Jedi is second best and this is this is probably the third but again anytime you get a new star wars it's always fun it was fun to go see the star wars i had a good time i didn't i didn't feel like it was time wasted i would have liked more of an emotional story especially especially going toward the end of the you know the skywalker saga i would have i would have liked to have more emotion but i i do kind of honestly feel that most of the emotion was in The Force Awakens. To me, that was like a very, very emotional movie. And this one, not so much. The Last Jedi was mostly like a weird movie. A lot of weird stuff going on. And that was that was okay. This one, I don't know, man. There just wasn't like, there wasn't a lot of weight. There wasn't a lot of really anything to it, to me. But I think this was all just trying to make up for the, um, what they felt was, a, a course direction they didn't like in in the last Jedi. I don't know. You're gonna see it. You're gonna see it. You'll make up your own mind. I I didn't hate it. I guess. But with all that said, on the good old fashioned Source Magazine mic meter, with one being a dud and five being an all time classic, I am going to give Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker a, uh, a mediocre three mics. Three mics. The Jeffersons, Alice, and Trapper John M.D. will return next Sunday at their regular times on most of these stations. This week, you're doing better stories. Let me talk about stuff. I know. Yeah, that's right. If you understood it at all, you heard it correctly. I am going to spend some time talking about stuffed animals. Stuffed animals are known as plushies nowadays, but I, I, I still call them, uh, I still call them stuffed animals. This isn't like, this is a topic that I, I kind of, I kind of had in the back of my, of, of my Rolodex of topics. I thought maybe at some point I would talk about it, but I never, I never really felt like I had to go out there and talk about how I used to play with stuffed animals. All the time, but I was, uh, I was at the dig the other day, and I made a holy grail find. I'm reaching for it right now. This was, this was something that I had wanted for a while, and on eBay, 
the prices for the ones I wanted were were way past my reach. And I'd I'd always hope to find one in person at a at a very low price. And the item that we are talking about is a small, maybe 12-inch tall stuffed dog named Lamut. He was produced by the Franland Company out of Santa Monica, California in 1980. And this was this was my stuffed animal pal all through my growing up years. I had this back when I lived in Illinois and I brought it with me all the way to California. And I played with this dude all the time. I didn't call him Lamut. I called him George. And George was like the leader of like my stuffed animal posse. I don't I don't know if you guys did this, but sometimes like in between playing with like G.I. Joe's or He-Man's or Eagle Force dudes or whatever, I would I would decide to go out in the backyard and like do some adventuring. And when I would do this, I would bring a uh, I would usually bring George or one of his other stuffed animal cohorts with me as kind of kind of like a pseudo playmate. You know, there weren't like a like a ton of kids around where I lived, so I would I would bring homie George with me and we would go out in the backyard. This was this was when we lived on Windsor Court when we first moved to California and we had like we had a ginormous backyard. This backyard was like the biggest backyard I've ever had in my life. I'm sure I'm sure some of you country folks have like way more acreage, but for like Santa Rosa, California, this was this was like two acres of backyard. It was like enormous and I I spent a lot of time out there. We were renting the house and the people, the people who owned it, they, they stored a bunch of stuff there. They had like, they had like construction materials like wood and pipes and all kinds of stuff like that over in one corner. And this was, this was an area I love to play with like crazy. I love to like, I love to take these boards and stack them up and play with the pipes. I don't know, man. Kids, kids will play with anything. Then on the other side, there was like a giant, giant, giant weeping willow in the corner and it was it was so big and so old and I was so small and young that I could like grab onto the dangling branches and like jump high up in the air and get like supported by these like uh, it, it was like a bungee cord it'd be like boing boing like going off into a uh, orbit it was it was a great place to hang out the weeping willow was big enough that I was able to like climb up it sit on a branched area that that was kind of kind of curved had kind of a nook and I I took some of the wood and I nailed in little shelves in there and I would I would keep stuff up there like not nothing like awesome maybe like a transistor radio or like a Twinkie or or rotten apples. We had um an ongoing apple war with this kid next door, this kid named Tim that I didn't like. I, I plan on talking about Tim at some point in in length, but this kid Tim next lived next door and we would we would throw apples at each other over the fence whenever we would um, see each other. So I would I would keep a few apples up in the uh, up in the tree just in case I spotted Tim and I could snipe him from a from a distance. But this was like a really good time in the in the middle of the yard. There was like this giant indentation of where it looks like at one time they had like an above ground pool, like a doughboy pool. It was like a giant like a giant circle that was pushed into the ground, but it was pushed in, it was pushed in fairly deep, not like super deep, but over the years, like the indentation had become like two, three feet down. When it would rain and when it would storm and stuff, this would, this would flood. And there was already like a bunch of sticks and like residue and like whatever in there. So when it would, when it would flood, it became like this giant swampy mess that we called the land of death. And we threw like a big board across the length of the uh, land of death. And we would go out there and like jump up and down on the board. And uh, this was like, this was like a risky endeavor 
because nobody wanted to fall into the land of death. It was it was tangled with like sticks and who knew what was at the bottom? There were like branches and like tendrils. It was it was horrible, man. Imagine like you're in Castle Grayskull. You have your Castle Grayskull toy, and there's there's that sticker on the ground that shows like that dungeon underneath with all like the eyeballs and scary stuff. That was that was what we had in effect in the land of death. Nobody wanted to go in there, and you'd go out there and jump on the board. And try to go as high as you could and come down on the board and not fall into the land of death. And there was always the risk that the board would snap because it wasn't, like, meant to be a bridge or anything. And it was it was old, a bit rotten, and there was always the risk that it would snap and that you would fall down into the land of death. This was the ultimate test of courage. Me and George would do this, like, all the time. We'd go out there, bounce up, come down, bounce up, come down, then scurry off. My, my brother and I would have the occasional battle. On the uh, on, on the bridge across the land of death, we would like we would like grapple with each other a little bit. But he's he's younger than me and smaller than me at the time, so I would I would like threaten to throw him off, but I wouldn't do it because that would be that would be far far too cruel. I would always show him mercy, and we would go off, you know, together and become become brothers again. I don't even recall what we would be fighting about. We would take it to the land of death. We'd squabble, squabble, squabble. I would uh 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 fight, 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 fight. Then I'd almost throw him over and go, I grant you mercy, brothers again. I told that story twice. The second time I did it, I did it more, uh, more, uh, excitedly. But this was, this was a good time. And it was all brought back to me because I found this Lamut. George was with me, like, all the time. If I was out there hanging and clanging, this dude, George, was with me. And I'm just so happy to be reunited. And I realize it's not the exact same George that I had when I was younger. I'll explain the final fate of George as we get toward the, uh, get toward the end. The whole thing is a sour spot because I feel like I should have had George with me the entirety of my life. This would have been like a great, a great artifact from my childhood. I could have been like Radar O'Reilly on MASH with that, with that teddy bear with one eye that he's so, that he's so obsessed with. When I'm finally, when I finally achieve manhood, I'll, I'll leave George behind and I'll stomp off like when, like when Radar got discharged from the war and he left him behind. Is that what happened? I think that's what happened. I might be wrong. I I like MASH, but I'm not, I'm not a MASH scholar. I am kind of, I am kind of maybe like an amateur MASH scholar. I do have a bit of MASH uh, memory in my head. We used to watch it on Channel 50, like me and my bro. We'd watch like four episodes of MASH a day. But uh, let's get back. Let's get back to Lamut. This was just an amazing find. I was at the dig and I, I you know, was going toward the cart and I looked over in, in, in one of the bins and there he was. He was just sitting there. Like he was sitting there and he wasn't sitting there earlier. So somebody had found him. And put him back, and I, 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 I scooped him up. My, my eyes got big. They got dewy. They looked like um, I look like Baby Yoda looking at a bowl of bone broth. How's that for? How's that for a timely reference? But I, I saw him, and I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was amazing to me, and I, I never really thought that I would uh, have one again. At one point, I looked him up on eBay, and people had him listed for like up to a hundred dollars. Plushies are really, they're really. Uh, it seems like they come and go. They face a lot of bad treatment, so vintage ones can sometimes go for a lot. And I wasn't, I wasn't willing to pay. That much for one. I said that already. George was the leader of like his stuffed animal posse. I had a bunch of different stuffed animals that I would hang and clang with. But George was like, he was like the cool one. He was like the Indiana Jones. He was the one who would have like a leather jacket and a fedora and a whip. He was really adventurous. He was really cool. But he had he had a bunch of other buddies. One of them I remember was Gonga. Gonga was made by uh, Russ Berry. And he's a small... He's a small, like, beanbag gorilla, and he has a plastic face, a plastic stomach, and plastic hands, and his hands are doing a thumbs up, and you can stick the thumb 
inside of his mouth hole so that it looks like he's sucking on his thumb. My mom, my mom got me this one. One time she was working at the hospital and she decided to get me a gift and she grabbed it at the gift shop on the way home. And I, I still have my original gongo. He's on a shelf over here. I got him on a shelf. He's wearing a Oakland A's hat that I got from um, Baskin Robbins when they do that, uh, that Sunday gimmick where they put him inside a baseball hat. So I was lucky enough to get Oakland. Now Gonga wears that. Gonga's gimmick was that he was he was the strong one. George was the cool one. And Gonga was the powerhouse. He was like the one who was jacked. He had gorilla strength. He could like he could lift like a giant log, like way over his head. Gonga had incredible power. And he was he was kind of like George's backup. He was like George's George's enforcer, his tough guy, his Arn Anderson. I also have a Christmas Gonga where he's wearing like a small like a small Christmas hat, and I bring him out when the uh, season's right. He's he's in the house right now, as we speak. Over not near the Christmas tree, he's near the he's near the fireplace. Let's uh let's take a quick commercial break. I gotta I gotta get a Ludens. Your dude is fighting off a uh, fighting off you know some seasonal uh seasonal illness, and um I I need to get a Ludens. Let's uh let's hear a quick message from show sponsor Mary's Futons in San Rafael. <laughs> Quality furniture at a reasonable price. These easy open front closed frames are so simple to convert and have a built-in lounge position. The muscle body frame is available in five colors and ten different arm styles, including love seats, ottomans, and chairs. There's only one Mary's Futons because there's only one Mary. That much is definitely true. Big up to Mary from Mary's Futons for throwing some uh throwing some sponsorship your way, my way, rather. Uh let's see. I had I had a couple other stuffed animals in like the main stuffed animal posse. I had like I had like millions of stuffed animals, but I had like like a small inner circle of dudes that would go go on adventures with me. The next one that I recall was a he was a beanbag frog, a small Maybe like six by six frog. He he was like on the ground, not like Kermit the Frog, where he has like arms and legs and he walks upright. This was this was like a, a ground toad. You know, he was he was like more realistic than like an anthropomorphic type, like Kermit sort of frog. And I have uh, I've done like a few cursory web searches, and it actually wasn't like too hard to find out what this frog um, was named. His name is Flegel. He's Flegel the frog, and he's also by he's also by Russ Berry. And his his look is of it is like this. He's he's like a small ground based toad like frog, not like an anthropomorphic frog like Kermit. He's he's down on the ground. He's a uh, it's darker green on the top, and he has, like, those half, half, like, ping-pong ball eyes. They're not, like, literally ping-pong balls, but they're shaped that way. And then he has, like, front and back legs, and he's, like, a lighter green on the bottom. I, I had this dude, and I'm telling you, man, once I, once I got a hold of Lamut, all the memories of all the dudes flooded back, like, over the next couple days. Like, I spent time, like, looking at George, and then I, I just started remembering all these adventures and all these things I did with these stuffed animals. It was... It was amazing. So Flegel the Frog's gimmick was that he could leap. He could leap like incredible distances. He could jump like the entire length of the backyard. And he could also carry somebody with him. Like from time to time, it'd be like, George needs you guys to go over to the woodpile, take Gonga with you. And he would leap with like Gonga on his back or Gonga in his arms. Dude had incredible power. He was like, he was like an early Superman 
or like the Incredible Hulk, where they couldn't quite fly, but they could traverse an incredible distance through the power of their of their leaps. I I might get myself a Flegel Frog. I'm looking online, and they cost like they honestly cost like sixty dollars for the one that I have. I'm looking at one right now, and there's there's twelve people watching it, so it is something that people are into. Oh no. It's marked as hard to find. You know what that means? That means that you might might have a hard time finding one. Here's one in Britain right now. Let me let me see. This one's thirty buckers. Let's see what the shipping. Let's see what that what that converts to. That converts to um. Let's see. Oh, it's twenty seven shipping. So it's essentially the same. This is this is something I'm hoping that I'll I'll bump into at the dig or at the flea market. I'm looking at pictures of it right now, and I am amazed the memories that are flooding back, just like, just seeing this again with his, with his goofy red tongue sticking out. Look up a Russ Flegel Green Frog Plus, uh, Plush. I, I have a hard time calling them plushies, dude. They're always like going to be stuffed animals to me. The next one, the next one in my stuffed animal posse was a Smurf. This was really just like a standard, like maybe like an eight inch Smurf where he, he was kind of best kept in in a seated position. His legs weren't rigid or anything. I I pretended that this was Hefty Smurf. At at that age, Hefty was like my favorite Smurf, dude. You know how it is. When you're when you're like a young sprat, you really look up to like masculinity. You know, you think like you think like Rambo is the coolest. Or you think like Hulk Hogan is the coolest. Or you think like Hefty is the coolest. Whoever is like the toughest is the coolest. So this Smurf was hefty. I mean, who is it supposed to be, dude? Is it going to be Brainy? I doubt it. Is it going to be any of those other ones? I doubt it. Maybe Papa, but you know, it's Papa because Papa's got a red hat. I I know not. I, I I went with Hefty. And Hefty was like, he was like the upstart of the posse. He was always like, he was always like going at Gonga. You know, he's like, I should be. I should be the dude. I should be the one who's the strongest. I'm stronger than you, Gonga. My strength is way beyond yours. And they were they were always going at it. Gonga was always having to keep the keep the youngster under his thumb while also making sure to like not push him down far enough so that he wouldn't be ready when eventually it was his turn to step up. But enough that like he wouldn't be a constant threat, a constant challenge. You don't want him to make it too early. You gotta take a dude like Hefty and sort of like you gotta keep him under your thumb so it's just the right moment. Then you let him loose when you're ready to step back. And Gonga knew that. Gonga's Gonga's a smart manager. There were there were other ones in the posse. I also recall having like a Pac-Man that was just like he was like Pac-Man from the cartoon. That was his character. And he would he would hang and clang with the guys, but he wasn't one of the one of the inner circles. And they would have like various ones that had that had like certain abilities based upon what animal they were. I remember I had like a I had like a, a stuffed billy goat of some sort, like a small, probably like a Russ Berry. All these all these seem to be Russ Berry. Russ Berry, interestingly enough, had a factory over in Ronard Park, the next um town over, where they produced stuffed animals. They produced those small um, Russ Berry statues that were really popular back in back in the late seventies, early eighties. They would be like the the kind of something you would give as a gift to somebody that you didn't know very well, like somebody from work. Some kind of some kind of small statue, for example, with like a sad sack guy going, "Got a case of the Mondays" or whatever. I I have a few little Russ Berry statues in my collection. I like the I like the bowling ones. Bowling was popular back then, so they made a lot of 
lot of different bowling trophies. Look that up, trophies. Look that up, uh, Russ Berry. But yeah, their stat, their factory was in Runner Park. I think that's cool. I, I, I dig that. The, the wife hipped me to that when I was talking about these, about these various stuffed animals. She's like, oh, you know, they made those the next town over. And she, she showed me where the factory used to be. She said that her, um, her mother worked there for a couple years. That's pretty dope. If you're like way into stuffed animals, like I'm into action figures, it's like finding out that your wife's, uh, your mother-in-law worked at the um, Hasbro factory. It was dope. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool. I'm trying to think of others, but I had this mountain goat, and his ability was that he could like he could climb up on things. So if they had some kind of like they had some kind of a mission that required like mountain climbing or whatever, they would they would get this guy. You kind of see how the how the theme goes. They were sort of like they were sort of like the GI Joe team. If you needed somebody from the mountains, you would call uh, Alpine. If you needed somebody for the snow, you would call uh, Snow Job. You know, if you needed somebody with a 50 caliber machine gun, you call rock and roll. If you need a ninja to throw a star at somebody, you would call snake eyes. But um, at any rate, I I was into these stuffed animals like crazy, man. For the early part of my life, I think they got way more play than um, action figures. I think that what, what made it really exciting to me was I could implant whatever personalities I wanted on them. If I bought like a G.I. Joe, you know what the personalities of the dudes are. You know, um, Snake Eyes is taciturn. Rock and Roll's like a surfer beach guy. Uh, Lady J used to be a model or whatever. You know that they have these pre-planted personalities and it was fun to take take my own ideas and impart them on these dudes. And I, I spent so much time doing this. I was out in the backyard. I had like this whole backyard fantasy world that I used to play in, like, the, the wood pile, the wooden pipe pile that I told you also had, like, a bunch of, like, ornamental rocks. This guy must have done some kind of landscaping. The people who own the house, he must have done some kind of, some kind of landscaping work, because they had, like, ornamental rocks and all kinds of stuff, and there were these one white rocks, and if you'd break them open, they would be kind of, like, crystalline on the inside. So we had, like, this whole fantasy world where, like, the wood pile was like a mine, and you'd go over there and, like, dig through all the rocks and look for the ones that were, like, the white ones, they were crystalline on the inside because these were like, these were like the, um, the money in our, uh, stuffed animal universe. These were, these were the treasures. If these were a video game, these are the things that you're leaping up trying to grab. These are like the rings for Sonic or the coins for Mario, these white rocks that you could, you could break open. We would try to shape them. I remember that was something we were into. We'd like break them open and try to like shape them into like small little diamond bits. I had like a little hammer and I'd be like cracking these rocks, hitting these rocks. That was that was something I spent a lot of time doing, breaking up these little rocks. Whenever I, whenever I walk by somebody's front yard and I see them, I'm like, oh, there they are. I want to, I want to grab them out because the dude's landscaping pile only had a few. They only had a couple. And I remember when I would be out and about walking as a kid, when I would go by somebody's front yard that was like entirely coated with these one white rocks, I'd be like, oh, I just want to, I want to grab a whole bag full and blow the whole economy. But that was. That was like a big part of my life for a long time playing with these plushies and I wanted to um I wanted to share like aspects of this universe but it wasn't it wasn't all as clear to me as it became when I finally when I finally saw Lemut I I was doing some research online for the uh, Lemut after I found him and I also found out that the the lady that created Lemet Lemut also invented a female version called Fifi Lamut, and it's just like kind of kind of like the Miss Pac-Man equivalent of a Lamut. She has like a little ribbon on her hair, and I believe she has some like makeup 
around our eyes. I would like to find one of those as well. I would imagine they're a little bit more common. I've never I've never seen one up until I saw the picture on um I don't know. I have so many good memories tied up into this Lamut. I I think okay, I'm gonna share one more tale before we before we move on out of uh out of stuffed animals. I'm gonna tell you the final fate of Lamut. When I was in high school when I was in my junior year of high school, there was this girl that I was really hung up on. I was like super, super into this chick. And she she kind of gave me the time of day, but not to the point where I thought that I would have any chance with her. But I I still held out hope, you know, because she did. She did give me the time of day. But then one time she was having like a real hard time with something. Like I paid a lot of attention to this girl. You know how it is when you're when you're like heavily into somebody. I paid a lot of attention to her and I could see... I could see she was hurting. So I was hurting too, right? So the the uh, the, the solution I came up with was I'm going to go home after school and I'm going to get Lamut and I'm going to go over to her house. She lived right around the corner from where I lived, right from where I live now. She was right around the corner. I'm like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get George, my most beloved stuffed animal. He was still beloved to me at the time. And I'm going to give George to her to help cure her wounds. And so she'll know how much I care. So I went over there and I did it. I gave them to her and I could see on her face. I can still see her face now. She did not, she did not care for Lamut that well. She did not know what I was doing over there. I, I wasn't aware of the fact that I know now that just because you care deeply about somebody doesn't mean that they care about you or notice you at all. So I, I gave her Lamut. This is so corny and so embarrassing and I'm happy to get this off my chest. I gave her George. She took George I never saw him again, and I've been hurting for him ever since. I, I I feel bad because I imagine his final fate was that he was tossed in a garbage can maybe like a year later. Like she was probably going around her room, and she was like, what is this again? Fling into the garbage. It's, it's sad. I feel for you, George, wherever you are now. I hope you can feel me reaching for you. I apologize from the bottom of my heart. It's good to get that out. I I do plan on revisiting the um, stuffed animal world sometime in the future because I would do like full on angles and stories involving these stuffed animals. I am not even kidding. I I would have like week long campaigns where we would do different stuff. It was crazy. I will tell you about some of these angles in the future. But until then, final seg. You made it this far. It's time. The final segments, the IC Robots Radio Pop Culture slash Toy News slash Other Boring Stuff Informational Moment. All right, my dudes, we are here. It's the final segment of the show. You should applaud yourself for having for having the strength to go the length, for having the stamina. You you should be proud, man. This is an achievement. You made it through a lot of a lot of boring stuff, a few maybe interesting things, and just a lot, a lot, a lot of. A lot of chit chatter. Let's uh, let's see what's going on. There's a lot of good things going on right now. This is this is something I should have mentioned a while back, but as you know, I've been off the air, I've been wandering the earth. But uh, our dude Esquilito has had a recent addition to his family. We want to wish them the best, all the all the brightest things for this youngling's future, for this young for this young Padawan Esquilito, my dude. Congratulations from the bottom of my heart. Uh, 
Let's see. That's one. That's a big one, man. That's a big. That's a big life-changing event. It changes your life in, I would say, all good ways. I, I feel like I'm ten thousand times the man I was before I started down the journey of fatherhood. So, uh, big up to you, my dude, Esquilito. Let's see what else has been going on. We. We went to another, another super microscopic, microscopic comic show. This was at the, this was at the Druids Hall here in Santa Rosa, which is, it's right across the street from the rear side of Santa Rosa Junior High. It's, it's a neat old building. I've only ever been in there like, I don't know, maybe like two or three times. I, I went in there one time for an auction. They had an auction on New Year's Day. I went there. That was fun. And I, I know I've been inside there a couple other times, even though I can't, I can't quite remember remember what for, but we were, we were driving by, we were coming home from the flea market, it was me, the wife, and the kid, and we saw a sign on the street that said, it said Comic-Con, it was one of those sandwich boards, and it was pointing, it was pointing toward the uh, Druids building, so we kind of conferred for a second, I said, look, you guys, I gotta go see this, I would like you two to come, but I do, I do definitely have to go, the wife's like, oh, I'll look, I'm down, I don't care, and the kid, the kid goes, yeah, let's go, I don't, I don't care, that could be, could be weird, could be fun, so we, we pulled into the parking lot. It was only $5 to get in, and it was, it was super dink. This building is maybe half the size of a, uh, like a high school, junior high school basketball gym, and it, it had vendors all along the outside. I'm gonna say maybe, like, 15 different vendors there. They're all ones I've seen before from the, from the Santa Rosa Con and from the other con, but it was, it was still fun. It was raining outside that day, and it was, it was neat to be inside this, uh, this old building that I haven't been in, and it's been a few years since that auction, and I, I'm still, uh, I'm still like a, you know, a new jack to this building, and it's fun to go around and look at, like, the old architecture and the pictures of the dudes who used to be druids, things like that. I, I like to, uh, I like old buildings. I know. It's weird, right? I, I must be alone in liking old buildings out there. What a, what a rare habit, but I... I had a decent time at this show. It was mostly pop vinyls. I think if you took every single item in the show and you put it into a spreadsheet, like what it was, was it a comic? Was it an action figure? Was it a t-shirt? Was it a plushie or whatever? The number one thing would be pop vinyls. Everybody had at least some, and some people had nothing but the pops, the pop vinyls. And you know, you know your dude's not like a big pop vinyl aficionado. I I see why people like them. They're cute, they're fun. They have every license under the sun. That should that should be their uh that should be their jingle. Hold it now. Hit it. They're cute. They're fun. They've got every license under the sun. Funko pop. There you go. You can you can feel free to use that. That was like a million pop vinyls, dude. You could have built like a whole bunch of uh, igloos out of these pop vinyl boxes and single-handedly solved the homeless problem here in Santa Rosa. There were there were like zillions, dude. There were millions, but I I got uh, I got no hate. I got no hate for them. They're just they're not my dude's thing. It's interesting to me how popular they are, though. It just it just blows my mind. I I, I don't know. I think I think it's probably just the variety of licenses. If there's something that you like, they probably make something for it. But um, anyhow, I. I had a good time there, even though there wasn't, like, a ton of comics. It was kind of, it was like an in-and-out affair. Like, you were there for, like, 20 minutes, half an hour, maybe at the most, and then, then you bounced. I, I I did find a few comics. I just wanted to buy something, so I got, I got eight of the, uh, dollar comics this lady had for five bucks. I didn't think that was the worst deal. I just, I wanted to get something, and plus, I didn't have, like, a ton, a ton of cash. If I would have had, like, a ton 
I would have um I would have been able to see some like uh, things that I did actually kind of sort of want, but I only had only had like the remaindered flea market money because we didn't we didn't like plan on going there. We just had what was left over from the flea market, and it was it was pretty successful one that day. I don't recall what I got, but I do remember that I got that I got a lot. I I would have. I would have got, they had these, uh, Toy Biz action figures of the, uh, Thor, and then they also had Spider-Man, I believe. These are, these are from, like, the late 80s, early 90s. I, I remember being into these and picking them up at, like, KB Toys or whatever. The, the Thor doesn't have a cape. My dude Rockford, Rockford J, who is the, uh, intern over at the, uh, over at the, uh, Pop Culture Retro-Rama Vault with him and, him and Vic Sage, he, um, he hit me up and he said that, uh, he had that Thor, and that he made his own cape for it. I think that's, I think that's pretty neat. I think it's pretty janky on their part for not including one in the first place. But they had, they had him and somebody else for like thirty bucks. And if I would have had thirty bucks, I might have thought about getting a maybe kind of sort of maybe probably not. I would have seen if I could talk him down to twenty. Maybe we would have settled at like twenty five. But twenty, if I'm like, hey man, I'll give you twenty for both. They. They might just go for it, especially if it's been, like, a slow day, and it didn't look like it was... Like, it was kind of a slow day. Most of the vendors were seated. They weren't, like, jumping up and talking to you or everything. It, they had that that feeling of, like, um, we're just not doing well. This isn't working out. I drove all the way from Santa Clara to come down here, and I had to pack the truck, and I had to load the tables, and I had to do all that stuff, and I'm gonna make, like, 15 bucks. I, I could smell that on a lot of the dudes, and I... I would have taken advantage of that if I would have had the money, and, uh... Got those figures for a uh, much better rate. I'm trying to think of things to say about the show because I did have a good time, but there's just not there's just not a lot to say. They had a guest. They had a guest of honor. I I cannot recall his name off the top of my head, but he um he played Darth Vader in the uh, Star Wars special editions. Like where wherever they added a scene of Darth Vader, it was this guy. I think. I think I saw he lived in San Mateo. He was like a local guy, and he came down to sign some autographs. He was doing it for charity. I dig it. I I did drop a couple dollars in his charity jar, but I didn't um I didn't need an autograph. I didn't need to talk to him or anything. I thought it was cool that he was there. He seemed like he was having a good time. He was up. He was, he was standing up, which is always which is always a good sign. A lot of the guests behind the tables are sitting, and I I find that a little uh a little off putting. I get it. I understand why they sit, and I would probably do the same thing after a while. But I. I do appreciate it when the guy's standing, like he's there to greet you. That's when I, that's when I kind of feel like it might be a fun encounter. Like I might want to go over there, shake bro's hand. I might, I might buy a picture or get him to sign something because I just feel like we're going to interact on a better level, dude, because he wants to talk. He's there to talk. Sometimes you can tell the dudes aren't there to talk. They're just, they're there to hawk their pictures, which is fine. We all got to make a living, but, um, anyway, I, I'm trying hard. I'm digging deep, but I can't find a lot to say. The, the kid got a plushie. She wanted to get something too. She bought a, a bootleg Pikachu plushie, where in which he had some kind of some kind of Halloween motif. This was just like this was just like past Halloween. It had some kind of like a Halloween motif. This was like this was just like like past Halloween. So there were still there were still some spooky things about. That's how long it's been since I've been like talking to you guys, and I really I really do feel weird about that. I'm trying to dig deep into the uh, the vault for things that happened so long ago. Usually usually these things are they're fresh, so I can just I can just go off the top. But right now I'm wishing. Wishing I had some news. Let me, uh, let me tell you guys a Christmas story. Christmas is, uh, still in effect right now as I record this. I know for you guys it was last week or the week before, but the, the schedule's all out of whack. But, um, as of right now on the Earth Base, it's Christmas and I got the tree lit. I got, I got everything going in full effect. And let me, 
I'm going to tell you a story about, uh, it's toy related, so it's going to be fun. Don't worry about it. I realize that once Christmas is over, nobody wants to hear about it, but let me, let me share this one for you because it is vintage toy related as I, um, as I said. We have a nativity set that we have on a, like a dresser right behind the couch. This is, this is like a bookshelf, like a small bookshelf, and we, we have the nativity set on top of it, on top of a blanket. The, the cat, Orange Boy the cat, likes to likes to lay right next to it, and he, he knocks some of the items down with his towel, his, his towel, with his tail. He wasn't wearing a towel. He'd just gotten out of the shower, and he had a small towel wrapped around the top of his head, and he also had one around his waist, and the, the towel knocked over the, uh, nativity set. So I was, I was putting the pieces back up, and I'm looking at it, and the, the manger is really neat. It's really wood. It's very well designed. It's pretty cool. We got it at the flea market, and I, I'm looking at it and I go, you know, if I was a kid, this would be just like so much fun to play with uh, G.I. Joe's. You could have like, you could have like a barn fight or whatever. So I, I started looking at it and I'm checking it out and I said, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to get some of my G.I. Joe's and I'm going to, I'm going to put them out here and I'm going to see if anybody, um, anybody notices. So I headed into the office and I, I decided to pluck three. I plucked, uh, Snake Eyes, Low Light, Low Light the Sniper, and also Storm Shadow. And I... I brought him out, and I'm looking at him. I'm like, what's the good way to display this? And I said, oh, I know. I have the scenario. This is this is an assassination mission. Storm Shadow's going to assassinate baby Jesus right there in his in his bassinet. So I, I hid him around the corner, and right behind baby Jesus, I put Snake Eyes. This is, I believe, Gen 3 Snake Eyes. It's not the original one with the explosive pack that he has that he has that he can wear around his shoulder. It's not the one with um his uh his trusted uh hound um timber. This is this is the third one that has like a ton of weapons. He has like nunchucks, he has like a sword, he has an Uzi, he has all kinds of stuff. It's a good one. So I, I put him right behind the baby J as a like a bodyguard, and I put low light like up on the roof, right? Where he was he was like watching the whole scene in case of the uh, assassination attempt, and this was all fun. I had a good time posing him. I, I made uh, Storm Shadow look like he was pulling back his bow, and Low Light is up on the roof with with his gun resting on his uh on his side. I had to find a way to put it like so that it looked like it was shooting without putting it in his hand. It's really risky to put a weapon inside a uh, a vintage Joe's hand. the The plastic is brittle, and the thumbs break off. I've done it enough times. That I, I try not to risk it unless it seems like an easy, an easy fit. I'll give it like a, I'll give it a try. Like I'll, I'll give it a try, but I'm not, I'm not going to force it. I'm not even going to push it hard. Only if it goes in there quite easily. And this one, this one didn't. So I sort of like rested it on his arm and under his armpit. So it looked, it looked like he was on alert. Low Light's one of my favorites. He's in, he's in all black. He has some red goggles. He has like a ski cap. Like he's. Like he's Steve Zizu, but instead of red, it's um, it's black. And his his weapon is like a long sniper rifle with a giant telescopic scope. I always thought he was super neat. When I was a young sprat, he was definitely one of my favorites. So I I'm happy to have him in my collection. So I I post him up, and then Snake Eyes has his nunchucks in one hand and his Uzi in the other. He has the Uzi up, and the the nunchucks are ready, and he's right behind the bassinet. Over over the next uh, couple days, I. I move them around again. I I move Storm Shadow up to where Low Light was, and he had knocked Low Light out. He snuck up behind him, so I flipped Low Light over, and I made it look like he like he got jacked right in the grill. So he's knocked out, and then Storm Shadow's up in in, in like a more high position, aiming down at Baby J. And then I brought in an additional figure, 
They knew they needed backup. So they brought in Junkyard and Mutt. That's the MP and his dog. The dog is a, like a black, like a black dog. I don't know what, I don't know what breed I would think it is. Some kind of like Pitbull Rottweiler kind of thing. It's pretty mean. So he brings his dog and the dog is sniffing in the corner where Storm Shadow just was. Like they know that he was there, but they don't know, they don't know where he's gone, but he's, he's right up above. And then I had him over the next day. He leaps down and he knocks out the dog. And he knocks out the handler and he, he starts to move inside to the manger where he gets a, uh, like a bird's eye view. He has his bow and arrow and he's going to pop one right into the manger. He is, he is all evil. And then the next day I drew snake eyes moves forward. Snake eyes spots him. Snake eyes moves forward. Blap, 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 knocks him out. And when he knocks him out, I had a, I had a surprise in wait. As he knocks him out, I pulled out my Zartan figure. And I laid it out. It wasn't Storm Shadow at all. It was actually Zartan. Like, like in the famous comic issue where you find out that he, he's the one who's killed the hard master. I don't feel like this is a spoiler. This is, this is 30, 40 years ago. But, um, just like, just like the famous Larry Hama storyline. And then above him, Storm Shadow appears and goes, Merry Christmas to you, Snake Eyes. When he sneaks, swings away. I don't know why. That seems like, that seems like how Sunbow would have finished one of the episodes at the end. Merry Christmas to you. And to you, a good night, Snake Eyes. And he sneaks away. Something like that. That was that was something I did over the course of like a week. It made me happy. It was a way a way I could kind of play with my toys with without like really playing with my toys. I was I was putting on an elaborate display. I don't think anybody knew any of this storyline was going on. It did show the wife. I'm like, look, the protecting uh the protecting the heavenly baby from the evil the evil Storm Shadow. But I didn't reveal that Storm Shadow was really Zartan in disguise. I. I might as well have. She might have got a kick out of it. Or she might not have. She might have been like, oh my god, my husband's losing his mind. As if, as if I didn't know that already. You know, now that, like, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it a bit more, the the story is going through my head right now. I, I hadn't, like, verbalized it in that way. I think it would be a better episode if instead of Snake Eyes knocking out Zartan slash Storm Shadow, maybe, maybe Storm Shadow could have appeared behind Storm Shadow, got him in like a ninja choke. And as he gets him in the ninja choke, it's revealed that he's Zartan. And then he throws Zartan down to Snake Eyes, right? And Snake Eyes looks up to where Storm Shadow is and he goes, Merry Christmas, Snake Eyes, to you and all the Joes. And he swings away because we all know that like Storm Shadow was kind of like a closet good guy. We wanted him to be a good guy. This could, this could go a long way. This could have been a good Christmas episode. I wish, I wish I worked for a uh, dick back in the, uh, Back in the day, but I didn't. I was just, I was just a kid watching the show. But still, imagine that in your head. Like that was like a Christmas episode, and you'll, you'll get a kick out of it, dude. You'll, you'll get something that you didn't have before. Another GI Joe Christmas episode. But I see robots is like DB Cooper. He's out to get the moolah, and then he'll get out quick. With a thick grip of chips and a super thick outfit. This, uh, this feels like the first segment of the show, but it's the last. Don't worry, dude. You're not tripping through time. You're, you're right where you need to be in the final segment of the show. I just had an extra bit laying around. I've had more time. I've had more time, so I make extra bits. It's just, uh, something to do when I don't got anything else to do. But, um, I, I've been watching The Mandalorian. I'm on episode number four. I imagine most of you guys are, are watching The Mandalorian. If you're, if you're wanting some more in-depth 
Mandalorian info, you want to check out Carlos's, Carlos over at GeekFest or Antine. Steve recently did a uh, episode on the, the first four episodes of The Mandalorian. I think it was episode 404. Big up, big up to Carlos, dude. 400 episodes is amazing. That's like, that's like twice what I've done. So big up to you, Carlos at GeekFest Rants. Go check that out. But I've, I've been watching The Mandalorian. I, I, I dig it. I, I knew that I would. I wasn't as anxious as some people to jump into it. I, I felt like I'd buy my time and wait till they were like a few episodes in. But I, I'm digging it, man. I'm thinking it's pretty fun. I'm enamored with Baby Yoda, much like everyone else. But what I, what I kind of like enjoy about the show is that in a lot of ways it plays like a procedural. Like the the Mando is put in front of some problem, and then he fixes the problem. But there's also like this overarching story behind the whole thing. But I. I like to watch a show, like, right before I go to bed or right when I'm trying to get a little get a little sleepy, like a little sleepy time. It's fun to watch a show where they solve a problem, like a law and order or something like that, where they, they start off with a problem, you watch them go through the steps, the steps that you're very familiar with, and then they go all the way to the end and they solve the problem. It's kind of it's comforting. It helps, like, zoom you off to the, uh, the land of Nod, the... The familiarity, just the feeling of closing a case, and Mandalorian kind of, kind of has that feel. Not as much as like a Law and Order, obviously, but in one I saw, he he had to face an enemy. They couldn't figure out how to beat the enemy. He thought of a way to do it, and then they did it. I don't think that's a spoiler because I, I imagine that most episodes have some kind of a like a formula like that. But it was it was kind of relaxing and it was kind of comforting to watch him do so. And it's comforting to watch him go around with baby Yoda and stuff. I, I'm digging it. I'm digging it a lot. I like the uh I like the music. I think the music is top notch. Some of the stuff they're doing there is just really, really, really great. The Mandalorian theme song is fantastic. I I like Pedro Pascal's voiceovers. I'm not sure if it's him in the costume. I've heard I've heard some people say that it is. I've heard some people say that it's not. I don't know if it's, like, openly known either way. I would imagine, like, sometimes it is, but a lot of it is, like, stunt work. So they would have, like, a stunt dude in there. This is this is a great gig, man. You're Pedro Pascal. You just read a bunch of lines and you get credit for being the... Uh, being the Mandalorian for all, um, for all perpetuity. The, the show seems like it's a huge success. Everybody I know is watching it. Everybody I know is into it. The the dude, Gino Vega, the dog, he's even getting back into Star Wars from what I hear. He's been watching, like, the prequels. He's been watching, like, the cartoons. He's working his way through so he can check out the Mando. I think when you finally, when you finally get there, it'll be worth it, dude. So keep, keep slugging along. I don't know if you gotta go through all the cartoons. I myself have not. I've watched... I've watched some Rebels. I think I watched like season one of Rebels and maybe like a little bit of season two. But I I didn't love it as much as I, I thought that I would. I like some of the characters. I like Sabine, the Mandalorian in, in that. But I, I haven't watched any of the other cartoons beyond that. I haven't watched Clone Wars. I haven't watched any of that. I, I'm not like too big on the Star Wars extended universe. It's cool. And I'm definitely glad that it exists. Because who knows? Just because you're not into something now doesn't mean you might not be later. There could be a day when I'm like, you know, let's explore the Star Wars extended universe. I'm glad, I'm glad that it's there for me now. And, um, I, I don't know. I don't fall into that a lot. I do fall into, like, the Star Trek extended universe. I love Star Trek novels. I like all that stuff. But, um, I, I don't know. Back to the Mandalorian. Gina Vega, enjoy your journey. Let me know what it's like when you get to, like, The Force Awakens. I thought that movie was dope. Let me know when you, uh, when you get to there, when you get to Rogue One, hit me up. Let me know what you think. That'll probably be like, I don't know, man, a while from now. There's a lot of lot of Star Wars to slog through. And some of it is a, uh, this is a bit of a slog. 
I suppose. Mandalorian's not, though. Mandalorian's a ton of fun. It goes by so fast. The episodes are, like, 42 minutes. They play really short. They're really easy to watch. It has a nice, nice, comfortable Star Wars vibe, and you're learning a lot about Mandalorians and what they go through. I'm, I'm digging it. I think it, uh, I think it's good. I think it's worth the time. A faux show. What else is, uh, what else is going on? I don't, not a lot, I guess. We're, we're kind of getting up at the, uh, at the mark, at the end mark. We may be actually past the end mark at this time, but, uh, who cares, man? We got nothing, nothing but time right now. You know the, um, the little library that I have in front of my house? I've talked about this before. We had a, we had a successful Halloween promotion. You know, it's like a little box full of books and let people, I let people take it. I put books in there. I put comics. I put magazines. I put whatever in there. People, people take them and stuff. I, I've had this idea. I'm thinking that maybe this time next year, when it has to be like the winter, the winter months, I might repaint the library. I'm thinking... And I realize this is a bit of a sellout because I'm a local video store guy. But at this point, it's all it's all the same gang. I think I'm painting going to paint it um, blue and yellow, like a blockbuster, maybe. And I'm going to get a sign on the top, just like paint a sign out of wood. We have we have like a sign holder, so we can put different things up there. I think I might put like neighborhood blockbuster, right, and fill it with only DVDs. Just put DVDs in there. Maybe like you know the odd VHS tape if I got something cool laying around. But like one side will be kids. The other side, adult, maybe like the bottom will be drama, the top shelf will be action or whatever. And just kind of kind of dip it out that way for a couple months and see if people might respond to the neighborhood blockbuster idea. I'm not I'm not 10,000 percent sold on the neighborhood blockbuster idea. I might I might paint it like a different color, like maybe like a red, like a red and black and make it like a neighborhood Hollywood video. I don't remember if Bradley had like a what I would determine to be like a. A color motif. Our shirts were black. It were black shirts, black pants. The name tags were silver, but they didn't have like a silver and black, like as far as the signs or anything. I don't really think so. I don't know if um I would I would think of uh, a specific Bradley color. I'm really trying to like drain my brain right here and see if I can think of any signage or anything. It's hard. It's hard to focus so deep into the memory banks while also while also providing new fresh content with my um. With my mouth. But if you if you have any thoughts about that, let me know, man. I think the neighborhood blockbuster is kind of a fun idea. I think a neighborhood video store is a better idea. But I, I, I do think that if I, if I go with the blue and the yellow motif, that it might attract more eyes. People are very, very, very familiar with blockbuster. And they'll, they'll instantly recognize that from the past. Anyway, I'm going to go. I'll be back in a couple weeks, man. It's nice to be on a regular schedule. I'm enjoying this again. So, if you don't know, now you know. We only have one rule on this team. What is that rule, Twiggy? E-L-E. That's right, E-L-E. What does E-L-E stand for? Everybody love everybody. Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. Hi. If you've got a second, please drop by supportthereport.com and peruse all of the patron-exclusive content available to those who have the kindness, nay, the courage, to toss in a couple of bucks in support of the greatest podcast in the world, the IC Robot Show. It's well worth the time, and on an ethical tip, it's what Captain America would do. Supportthereport.com.